Hi, this is Gloria Christie, and this is my podcast, The Three White Lions, Episode 9, June 14, 2021. Welcome to my podcast. Are you having tea with the queen? If not, you can stop here maybe for a while. Uh, apparently, the only ones having tea with the Queen are in England right now. Well, I did it again. Although it has been a year since my best friend, Kathy Rogers, died, this weekend was the first time that we could gather to give her a proper send-off. I called her my giver of joy and I wore purple underwear in her honor. I still mask up in sunglasses in position. Of course, people that I knew briefly could hardly recognize me. So as I entered the grieving room, I called out a cheery, Hi, I'm Gloria. People just stared at me for a very long painful moment. All of a sudden, a woman popped up and put her name-tagged self between me and the grievers. In hushed tones, she asked, which funeral was I attending? Ah, things were beginning to fall into place. It seems I had crashed a stranger's funeral. Who knew that a church could have a funeral factory going? But I'm sure my friend Kathy and I would have had a great laugh over it. And that is why I miss her so much. Tonight, I'm going to narrate two bedtime news stories. Instead of counting sheep and staring at the ceiling like so many of us do these days, now you can listen to the Three White Lions bedtime news stories. My goal is to put you to sleep. Let me know if it works out, okay? I'm reading you two of the more important political stories I wrote for the liberal online newspaper, The Bipartisan Report. If you would rather read them, you can find the written ones at bipartisanreport.com or shorter versions in my newsletter on Substack with Gloria Christie Reports, one word. Tune in on Friday for a brand new Three White Lions podcast, America, Where Do I Fit? That is an, um, an opportunity to hear the chapters of my new book about what life is like right now, where do we fit in this puzzle of history and politics and crime and hope and uh, all sorts of things? So I think you might enjoy it. Tonight, you'll hear Rise Together or Fall as Many. And number two, Trump's Responsibility to Police. Okay. <clears throat> 
House Democrats' fissure widens after Ilhan Omar's remarks. June 14, 2021. Four women of the many shades of color banded together as progressives riding the wave of the younger voters. They are quick, bright, and outspoken. As such, the House Republicans have had their eye on the squad ever since they took office. The House Grand Old Partiers, or GOP, have been looking for payback after the Democrats kicked the erratic representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, a Republican from Georgia, off of her committee seat. Now they think they have found their revenge target. House Democrats jumped the gun on Omar's comments, according to the New York Times. They felt that she equated U.S. and Israeli atrocities with those of Hamas and the Taliban. Quote, Representative Ilhan Omar appeared to equate the U.S. and the Israeli atrocities with those of Hamas and the Taliban, prompting outrage at a time when her party needs unity to maintain its slim majority. She has been pressing for accountability. Quote, we must have the same level of accountability and justice for all crimes against humanity. We have seen unthinkable atrocities committed by the U.S., Hamas, Israel, Afghanistan, and the Taliban. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, the Republican from California, quote, was expected to offer a privileged resolution stripping the Minnesota Democrat of her seat on the Foreign Affairs Committee. Green had made any number of racist and Islamophobic statements according to the Punchbowl News AM. There's been a problem, though. It appears that the Jewish Democrats believe that Omar is anti-Semitic and always stirring a pot they want to remain on simmer. As such, she takes oxygen out of what the Democrats hope to accomplish, they believe. Twice, the House voted on resolutions that were related to Omar's comments, and it appeared that House leadership planned to back her against any McCarthy-led legislation. In an attempt to smooth the waters, Omar clarified her earlier remarks well enough to appease rank-and-file Democrats. Quote, Even the ones who dislike Omar according to Democratic lawmakers and aides. The progressive squad has been staunchly behind the representative from Minnesota, the woman who came as a child from Ethiopia and gained citizenship here. In spite of disapproving of Ilhan's remarks, progressives agree with the squad over U.S. support for Israel. Quote, they also don't think the United States should continue to just give a blank check to Israel in its dealings with the Palestinians. 
the ouster of longtime Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu may help alleviate some of these concerns, although new Prime Minister Naftali Bennett may take an equally hard line. Not everything has been a cakewalk for the Republicans either. After all, the Dems would be able to offer a censure resolution against Green for harassing Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or AOC, to counterbalance what McCarthy may decide to do to Omar. When it comes to voting to censure Omar, that could already be a done deal. For those Democrats who disliked her, they could just vote present. Quote, that would display their unhappiness with Omar's comments, yet let them remain loyal to the leadership, unquote. Unfortunately, Democrats only have a four-seat majority in the House after Representative-elect Melanie Stalsbury, Republican from New Mexico, is sworn in this week. And that vote now will be 20 to 20 to 211. Pretty close. President Joe Biden plucked some of the best representatives to feather his nest with. So Pelosi was um, sad to see them go. The squad is a subset of the progressive caucus. That would be a preferable alternative for speaker than voting with the GOP or abstaining. Back in 2019, Omar tied money from the American Israel, Israel Public Affairs Committee to political support in Washington for Israel. The squad tightened rank around her and she has remained relatively static. The end. Capitol officer openly blames Trump for January 6th insurrection. June 13, 2021. He ripped open a dark, ugly sore in America that ran from sea to shining sea before Donald Trump conned his way into the presidency. There was still racial, racial prejudice but it lay festering beneath the scar of fake politeness or silence. The source was something amorphous, something indescribable, but of their contaminated ship and raced toward the nation's capital, armed with weapons of opportunity. An American flagpole still carrying America's banners banner, bricks, cans, and so on. These were Trump's core supporters, and this was exactly how the wealthiest controlled people, by pitting them against one another, so they will ignore the devious, incorrigible acts that the controllers are up to. For generations, people have been beaten back with unfairness, income equality, and abject cruelty that metastasized into anger directed at blacks and people of color 
and was passed from gener one generation to the next. But a true appreciation for diversity had appeared and was taking root in this new millennium. U.S. Capitol Police Officer James Blassingame had been protecting government officials and staff members for 17 years. He sat down for an interview with PBS NewsHour's Lisa Desjardins to explain how January 6th affected him. Both Blassingame and one other officer have sued Trump for physical and mental injuries that fateful day. He explained, quote, if the most powerful human being on the planet can, is not held accountable, can do whatever they want to do, what does that say about our democracy as a whole? Lassen Game had never, had never called, had never called, been called the N-word and had it directed in, at him during his entire 39 years. Quote, that streak ended on January 6th. I was called in, uh, N-word. I was called a traitor. I was called various epithets. I was like, okay, this is it when he was realizing he might have to use his weapon for the first time as the crowd seethed through the doors. And the only reason why I didn't do it was because the mentality was, this is a forlorn blaze. And if I pull my gun out and start shooting, I'm throwing kerosene on it. Maybe there's a chance I survive if I don't pull my weapon, but if I do, I'm probably not going to make it out of here alive. You don't have enough bullets. Desjardins next showed clips of congressional Republicans incredulously discrediting the riot. One said, quote, if you didn't know the footage was a video from January the 6th, you would actually think it was a normal tourist visit. Quote, what do you say, Desjardins asked. He replied, the officer that is, quote, I would think certain things are above politics. I mean, it's deplorable to say, as bad as it looks on film, believe me, it was much worse. They can stitch together as much footage as they want to, but I'm telling you, and anybody in that was in that scrum will tell you it was much worse in person than anything you are ever going to see on film. And for the narrative to be modified or changed so that it's trying to make it seem something other than what it was, it's disheartening. Especially we go to work each day, every day, and we have to protect members of Congress. And for them to come and say, thank you for your service and I appreciate what you do, but you don't because this is very simple. 
just having a commission to find out what happened so it doesn't happen again. Because I feel personally, feel that, again, this is something that there's a very real threat moving forward. The end. Don't forget to turn tune in on Friday for a brand new, totally different Three White Lions podcast, America, Where Do I Fit? You get a preview of my book, one chapter at a time. You've been listening to the Three White Lions podcast with me, Gloria Christie. You can find my articles on bipartisanreport.com or substack.com under Gloria Christie Reports, one word, newsletter. My author's page is on Facebook, Gloria Christie Reports. I hope to see you Monday. Good night. Sleep well, my friends.